Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Well, hey, Porch Community, and welcome to episode 82 of the 167 Podcast. I'm Shannon Patterson, the lead pastor here at the Porch Community Church, as always with my good friend, my co-host, our media pastor, Joshua Harrell. Hey, Josh. Hey, Shannon. How's it going? It's going It's going um, a little spinny and wobbly. Yeah? Yeah. You just vertigo. get off like the, the teacups from Disney World? Uh, that's what I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, I have vertigo. Yeah. It's really not fun. No. Yeah. So, um, but otherwise. Yeah. You know, as long as you don't like do some flashing lights and move around a lot, um, I should be okay. Mm-hmm. Good. So we'll see yeah. during this episode. So yeah, during yeah. our podcast, <laughs> hopefully there's no flashing lights. <laughs> Flash, not a lot of movement, really. No, no just you know whatever. <laughs> so I'm I'm on uh, some medicine. So um, just I guess a, a for forewarning. Yeah, mm-hmm. who knows what I'll say. Yeah. But I'm not really on any medicine that would make me say something weird. So yeah. Now, I, so but I could blame medicine if I say something weird. Yeah. So that's all. Is it just just movement, or would like a <sighs> like a movie? Would it thir- mm. throw you into it? Yeah, it wasn't really smart for me to for two reasons. It wasn't smart for me to go see Jurassic World um, the other day. Number one, vertigo. Number two, it was horrible. I really <laughs> save hate your that. money, I, people. I really wanted it. it to be good. Mm-mm. No, go see Maverick again. Go see Top Gun. again. If you're going to the movie and you're like, maybe I'll see Jurassic, don't just go to just go to Maverick. Oh. If you have uh, an Xbox and you have Xbox Game Pass, mm-hmm. do the micro- Microsoft Flight Simulator, mm-hmm. and they have a Maverick. Uh, oh, really? Like missions that they've just uploaded, oh, so you cool. get to fly an F eighteen. I used to do flight simulators. So. Yeah, so I'm was... looking forward to Lightyear coming out. I don't know when soon. Friday. I think I knew it was soon. Yeah, um, it's. I haven't it, read anything. It, it's weird for multiple reasons. There is a scene in it that is getting a lot of news and news attention mm-hmm. that this podcast isn't the place to talk about that okay and then i've really find it weird that tim allen is not voicing buzz lightyear yeah i know like it's supposed to be and it, like this, younger this, i mean this, it gets real meta because mm-hmm. you know buzz lightyear from toy story is the toy mm-hmm. well this movie is the guy that the toy is based on Oh. So, like, toys, so... Okay. Yeah, so it's real Inception. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'm ready for that so with, it's like with a movie. Pixar. So it's like a movie within a movie. Okay, yeah. Well, I don't plan on going to see it, but... yeah, I, I probably I probably will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I saw the original in theaters in 95. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Um, how are you? I'm good. Um, just trying to adjust to... Summer life, you know, mm-hmm. it it's different because it's just as busy as normal, but everyone has their kids. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like trying to <laughs> keep all, keep everything going at the same rate or faster, but then also got to coordinate. Well, this kid's got to go to camp and I'm going to pick <laughs> him up at noon so I can meet you at 1230, but I got to be home by two because we yep. have to start this. Yep. And we're gearing up, yeah. And we're gearing up for VBS, which is also another thing that you have to coordinate with all those camps. <laughs> yeah. Because if we have it this week, it con it. Yep. Lots of coordination. VSU and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Oh. I'm looking Summer. forward. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to VBS though. I really am. No, oh, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. It's always great. And... Kristen and her team are doing a fantastic mm-hmm. job decorating already. Yep. Who cares about content? Yeah. <laughs> it looks great. Well, I think the content's good too, but um, yeah. So I think we'll see. Uh, I know we will see a little bit of the decorating uh, showing up a Sunday in worship, and then right after uh, church is when the big decorating happens because mm-hmm. mm, it's Monday morning they're here. Yeah, students, uh, middle middle school students start their mission week on Sunday evening. Yep, and yeah, so we got a lot going on. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Anything else we want to talk about before we jump into? today which i have titled ant colonies and the psychology of change no i'm curious to see where this is going let's go (laughs) so i will again say 
I'm on medication. No, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so if you've listened to um, especially uh, many, any message I've ever done, and, and probably the podcast as well, um, I'm very intrigued because it, it will pop up a lot. By I, I'm very intrigued by the psychology behind our motivations and our and our reactions to things. Okay. That just very much intrigues me. I think if I were to ever go back to school, <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I would I would pursue like a psychology and and slash sociology type. So you could degree. work at Zacadoos. Yes, yes. Um, that, so I, I, I had a friend that had a master's degree in psychology. Yeah. And he couldn't get a job, so he worked at Zacadoos. Yeah, and I mean, pretty like, much, you'd probably have to go for a doctorate. I think. Yeah, yeah. Like he he owns like a franchise of restaurants in like Atlanta. Now. Well, there you go. He knows the psychology of chicken. <laughs> so, um, but so that's just something that's always intrigued me, and I'm just I'm really interested in the the what the how the how the why our perceptions are formed and how we then build those perceptions without a lot of thinking after that. It's like we, why do we do what we do? We think what we think, and then we kind of build up around it. You know, that just mm-hmm, always intrigues mm-hmm. me. And it makes me think of anthills. Mm. <laughs> so hang with me today, people. Um, <clears throat> so I'm the one that does the mowing at our house. I just, I love to do it. I like to see the completion of it. I know that you say that you're allergic and so it you would can't kill me. do it, whatever. Yeah. But, um, so it makes me think of anthills and when I'm mowing, I can blast over an anthill and it, in one pass. Mm-hmm. And then I come back around on the second pass and they're kind of scampering around yeah, and everything. Yeah. And, and then by the third pass, a lot of it, like they're, they're, the they're activities. back, they're back in, yeah. they're, they're doing what they're doing. And it's like within moments of whatever they had built, having been destroyed pretty much, they're back to rebuilding it. Mm-hmm. And I think that we do that with our beliefs. Now, when I say beliefs and I say our, I'm talking about humanity and the things we believe I know that, you know, not necessarily just Christians and our belief about God, but I'm talking about the things that we believe in. Yeah. But I'm also talking about our beliefs. So, yes, both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I think that we can, without paying a whole lot of attention, um, frantically build upon an idea, an ideal even, um, have this perception of something and when, if that ideal or perception gets knocked over, we just scramble to build it back up again without stopping and going, hold on a minute, why why am I going to rebuild this so quickly? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm, I know you said Inception earlier. I hope I'm not just going off. Just hang with me. I'm hanging. Okay. So anthills, ant hills, they, they might just look like a, a pile of dirt, <laughs> but... Beneath it, it's a really intricate system of tunnels and nests. It's got a, a leader, the queen, right? Um, they're the males that just basically are born and they grow up and then they fly off to go mate with um, other queens. And then you have just the workers. Those are just the, you know, and they're interdependent on each other, right? So you got this, what looks like a dirt pile that's really intricate system and with, when the queen dies, here's what happens with an ant colony. I was doing a little ant colony study. Um, if, the, if the queen dies, the colony will still function and act like it did. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't change much. They'll keep on searching for food, and they'll be, keep building their underground nest and, and enlarging it and all that. However, the means that... The, the means... This means the colony's days are limited because... There's not going to be any new more ants. Mm. There's not going to be any more. Like the ants are not going to be born to the queen anymore. So the colony will keep on functioning, but there's nothing. There's no new ants being born into the colony. So basically, the colony will function until every member of that colony dies. Dies. There's right. no like line of succession for right. an ant. No, not unless a, another queen came along and took over the nest. Which I don't know if they do that. I, I don't know. After so, there are some. Now, some types that will have more than one queen in them, mm. but I'm talking about more of the monogamous 
um, type. My and information comes from Bugs Life. Oh yeah, so, so it's, limited, so. it's limited. Okay, so hang. I know I'm going. People are saying I don't even know. Like an ant colony. Here's what I think we do. I think we can build upon a system, like a very intricate system. We build upon it, and we then invest in a system, even if that system is no longer a viable life source. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say now, in the case of the church, I think that can be true. Ooh, okay. Um, that, uh, like, we have a clear directive to preach and teach the gospel for salvation, and if that gets lost, the colony can still go on. Mm-hmm. It can still function. It can still go about its little business, but eventually it will die Mm. because there's no new believers. Right. And this is what it has seemed to have transpired over the past few decades in Christianity, um, in the United States, and more specifically in the United Methodist Church. Mm. Um, We were at annual conference last week Yep. as we were kind of finishing up our our time there and bishop david graves um presides over the, the bishop presides over the conference is that um, our, is that the bishop that's over mm-hmm. okay. yep and um he was praying at um at conference after the vote for disaffiliation had just taken place 18 churches were disaffiliating and uh, all of them in the 90 percent range were voted yes yeah. to to go and as Bishop Graves was praying, he said, um, and this is a, a loose quote, but it's a quote nonetheless of Bishop Graves, where he prayed and he said, God, I know that your heart grieves over this. And I had my eyes closed and I immediately looked up and opened my eyes and I audibly said no. And mm. I didn't say it loud. It wasn't like yeah. a protest loud. Yeah. But I still said it out loud, and I was standing in the back of the convention center among several whose churches were also disaffiliating, and we were just like looking at each other like we did not agree that God grieved over churches who had prayerfully come to the decision to continue ministry in a new way. Um, like there was no storming out. There were no acts of, of any kind that showed, um, you know, joy on the part of those who were disaffiliating. It was, it was really a, a, a conclusion of a long, long, long process. It wasn't grief. It was relief. That's what was going on. And because here's the thing, we weren't walking away from God or the gospel. Right. Uh, we were prayerfully choosing to withdraw from what we felt like was a broken system, mm-hmm. a broken colony, yeah, a colony without a life-sustaining purpose in the long run. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that there are churches right now who are UMC and remaining UMC and will remain UMC? Does that mean that they're not preaching the gospel? Absolutely not. I'm not saying that. I know that there are some life-giving, life-affirming, you know, Jesus-centered churches who will remain in... United Methodist Church, so that it's not. I'm not throwing stones in that way. But the parent system, yeah, the system itself. I think it's it's not going to be life sustaining mm-hmm. in, in that way. Um, so that was a prayerful decision to move out. Like God wasn't broken; a system was, and still is, I think. But my goodness, um, and so I mentioned at the outset, Josh, that I'm all, I'm intrigued by. Um, our motivations. I'm intrigued by human reactions to situations. I'm intrigued to how we respond and why we respond the way we do. And I got to say that one of the things I noticed, and, and I've, I've been reading this and I have seen it now, there were some hurt feelings at annual conference. Yeah. Um, I didn't experience to any degree what some of my fellow disaffiliates <laughs> experienced, mm-hmm. but I had, like, they were telling, like, how there were people that would just outright avoid them. That cold shoulder, which yeah. is crazy. Um, snarkiness. Yeah. Um, uh, comments like that. Gossip, like just saying things. Um, passive aggressive statements in reports that were given from the floor. Like, oh, really? Yeah, just like, and it, you just, you felt the vibe, right? And I, I felt the vibe, you know, towards me a little bit, but not really compared to some of some others. But so 
just before the vote to approve the disaffiliating churches, um, a report was given um, in what I think in many ways was a response to a video that Bishop Graves had put out, I think, in April of this year. Um, because as I listened to this report at the conference, I was like, oh, well, um, this is kind of speaking to that video that went out to everyone. Mm-hmm. And it was given by uh, my friend, a colleague, uh, Jim Cowart of Harvest yeah. Church in Warner Robins. He is he was leading the, the South Georgia General Conference delegates, and they were making a report to the annual conference about this is what we've been doing. And, of course, the, those folks have been through the ringer because they're the general conference delegates. So it's like, are we meeting? Are we not? Are we, you know, all this stuff. So, and kind of, I hang, I know if today's weird. No, no, no. (laughs) So kind of like in the Harry Potter novels where, um, he who must not be named, you know, Voldemort. You named um, him. I know he wasn't supposed to be mentioned because I don't, was it fear of him conjuring his presence? Is that, or something? I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. Well, it, it was almost like that. Um, it was almost as if that which must not be named disaffiliation um, wasn't supposed to be discussed Mm. because it might cause some to consider the option as well. Like that was the vibe. And so as, as Jim got up to give this report, he started speaking about disaffiliation and, and the report kind of boiled down to calling churches to prayerfully consider the options before them and to seriously examine whether disaffiliating at an upcoming, it is coming, August special conference for churches yep. that are still in, will be out by then, um, for them to really consider if it's something they should do. And then he said, and my church is disaffiliating. Um, Ooh. And so now he made points in that report that were factual, they're easy to find. They're not hidden. The only thing different about the information in the report, in my opinion, that caused people to kind of freak out was it was actually just being said out loud on the conference floor for everyone to hear. And some just didn't seem to like the fact that this was being mentioned out loud, like you should consider disaffiliation. Like that just seemed to be like a what? How in the How dare you say that word well it's it's almost like they've been able to keep it out of our annual conference since like 2019 or so right yes to an extent there's a lot of churches smaller churches smaller towns Mm -hmm. that have not had any conversation because their pastor has not mentioned it yeah purposely which is terrifying yeah yeah because i'm yeah you know i'd i'd hate or they get really bad information. Sorry. Now that's yeah. totally possible. Yeah. yeah. Now the I the snarkiness and the weird comments and all. I there's no excuse for that. But I mean, I I do feel <laughs> humanity, like humanity. That's well, the yeah. excuse. But I do feel like some people like I mean on both sides, people feel like they're doing what God is calling them to do, and like mm-hmm. some people feel like they are being called to stay. Uh huh. That's and, right. And that's perfectly fine. Mm hmm. But you don't get to act like a jerk to people that are choosing not to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so here's so, what... Go, go ahead. And so if I'm tracking with you and, mm-hmm. uh, and if the porch community was ants in this UMC <laughs> anthill, uh-huh. instead of keeping our head down and, and basically riding it out until we die out, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to go make our own anthill. Yeah, I think we sent some scouts out, and yeah. and now we're we're making a new colony. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good way. To so put that. so we're going against the ant hill <laughs> psychology, basically. Um, the hive mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good way of putting that because now here, just to throw in another um, analogy and just to mix it all in together, is I think the response to. People like after the report, you would have thought that he just like said a bunch of curse words and and, you know, called people bad names, like said something, said some yo mama jokes or something, because the report ended and it was like it it, like the bishop was like, well, I have some things to say to this, but now is not the time. I I just don't think it'd be. I just need to. It was weird. Yeah, it was really, really weird. I mean, because the report in and of itself was not yeah 
asking but, too much. It exposed the elephant in the room is yeah. what it did. So now we've got ants and elephants. Yeah. But <laughs> if if I like if I'm the bishop and someone one one of the pastors that I was over came in and said, Hey, y'all should consider disaffiliating and I, and I'm doing it too. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that, he knew. Yeah, but that's millions and millions of dollars uh, that I'm, yeah, gone. Yep, you know, yep. And, and and of course you're like, if I was in that position, I would not be happy. Yeah, and you I know? think that's part of the problem is that people aren't willing to have the conversation because you just you just said it if there wasn't millions money, of dollars if there wasn't money involved it's, it's i don't think it would be a big deal it's maintaining the system yeah, because this because what's happening is a system breaking mm-hmm. and then if you don't talk about the system breaking you can help it limp along until you're out until you're retired out of the system mm. And then someone else can deal with it. Which goes back to my opening point. I'm intrigued by how we perceive things, how we react to things, because I'm certainly not, and I don't, I don't want to sound this way. I'm not sitting here saying, you know, Bishop Graves is the, the point of the, the error here. It's not, it's not about him. It's not about South Georgia. It's not about like, it's, but what is the motivation for, I mean, I'm just as intrigued for the motivation for people to go as I am to stay. That's just something that in my mind, I'm just mm-hmm. always intrigued by that. But the elephant in that room at, at that conference was that just a week before, 70 churches, 7-0, yeah, in the North got, Georgia conference. Yes, a lot yes, of had They disaffiliated, yeah. 70. And we had just, so 18 were on the docket for the South Georgia Conference. And then that made the updated article, at least for Fox News. Yeah. That so, 18, so 88, yeah. like the article said 88 Just churches. in Georgia, yeah. Yeah. And, well, and I, I'm not trying to defend the bishop, but. No, from, no, you're good. From his job standpoint, like, yep. as his job, yep. in that moment, he is, mm-hmm. like, trying to keep the status quo because mm-hmm. that is his job at that moment. Yeah, he wouldn't say the status quo, but yes, yeah. I mean, that was kind of. I mean, in his... you boil it down. He's trying, yeah. like, you like you want to pitch the corporate narrative, right? Because which you are a his, corporate boss. Which his whole thing was lead, not leave. Yes. Which and I did a, a we did a message on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of had a response to that. Um, that I think you can both leave and still lead, I, and not. Not yeah, be. but and, but and I see that. Yeah, I understand his yeah. that position mm-hmm. and and that I'm not faulting that at all. It intrigues me, and and I just wonder like how what we believe to be the most important or the most factual, how that perception affects every other decision. Mm-hmm. Well, and see, his lead, not leave, would be like the accepted narrative. Of uh-huh. the system, right? Uh-huh. What what um, Jim Cowart yeah. Yeah. said was the counter narrative. Mm-hmm. So it was it was an antithesis uh-huh. of the system. Yep. So he so I mean, him going up there and saying, "Hey, this system doesn't work anymore. It's time to go." Yep. Yep. Of course, when you say that inside of the system, the system, it's not going to go well. No, not at all. So it makes me think of like Matrix stuff. Yes, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, it draws a lot of parallels to like the form, and I'm not calling uh, the porch leaving the UMC the same as the U.S. leaving Great Britain, but they got out of that colonial. They got out of that colonial system. They got out of. Mm-hmm. This being way out of the way and mm-hmm. kind of not what the master system thinks is important mm-hmm. anymore, mm-hmm. and they're still paying the master system, but the master system, yeah, isn't isn't shaping, doesn't give their identity to these people anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had to get out of that system. Yep. and I I see a lot of parallels between yeah, um, I see that. getting out of mm-hmm. a system that doesn't carry your identity anymore. Yeah, which I think in our conversations locally with the porch. One of the reasons we haven't, you know, we didn't go, okay, we're leaving the UMC. Now we're going to the GMC. We're going to Global Methods. Yeah. Was because some people were like, okay, well, if we're leaving Britain, you know, mm-hmm. we're not going to immediately go and join up with, you know, 
Australia. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I mean, like they still speak the same language and all, but eh, let's be let's let's wait and see. You know. Steve Brooks made the greatest <laughs> comment. He's like, you don't want to jump in another denomination, and because we know what we believe and we stand for what we believe, we'll leave if it doesn't carry what we want but do we really want to be the church that leaves denominations yeah right or do we just want to be by ourselves yeah right right yeah we don't <laughs> want to just be like leaving all the time yeah <laughs> so when um when this report was given um there were some who didn't like the report at all um and this is totally uh, you know this is my i mean this is a as much as of a editorial as it ever could be on my part um i saw three types of responses of that didn't like the report. I saw kind of three types of folks and I could be the, wrong. The report from, from Jim Coward okay. from actually from the, um, he gave the report and another, but it was for the general conference delegates. So they had been voted. They had been elected back in 2018 I believe, or 16, uh, yeah, 18, to represent in 2019. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think I'm right on the dates. Anyway, so they have been doing this for a while. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway. And and they're only, what, they were only supposed to do, don't they usually only do one general conference? Yeah, yeah. And then, like, this is the same group, like, if Bob mm -hmm. wasn't retired, he'd still be yep. in? he would have been there, yep, yep. So... <clears throat> there there was a negative response to the report. <clears throat> um, not like across the board, because I think a lot of people were in support of it. But here's what I saw, three responses. First, there I think there were people that didn't like you know, the elephant being exposed in the room. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, yeah. disaffiliation. <gasps> you said the word. Hey, you should consider it. <gasps> you know, it was like double whammy. Um, were people in positions, you said it a minute ago, but people in positions of conference leadership who happen to be dependent upon the financial I mean, their money comes from the conference. Of the churches in the conference. Um, this morning, I read in Firebrand Magazine, uh, Drew McIntyre, he wrote... Like The Wrestler? No. Oh. Um, he wrote, Institutionally Oriented Centrists. So those are people that are like, can't we all just get along? Let's all be into this tent together, you know. Already navigating a system with severe trust deficits have been deeply affected by the ideological divisions that have exacerbated already unpleasant trends in giving and attendance. They are understandably concerned about keeping the tent broad, not simply for whatever theological reasons may be proffered, but also in order that maximum resources continue to flow. This is likely why some who had supported the protocol have now reversed their position. Oh, yeah. The protocol is never going to, like... Ever. Ever. It's not happening. No. So that's one group of people that I saw. I mean, that was an example, his his quote. But but so I see people who are going, no, disaffiliation, bad. Um, they're dependent on... System good. System, system, yeah. They're dependent on the current system yeah. to maintain. All right. So here's the other thing I see. And that that's a hard place to be. Especially, and, and especially, go back to your perception. If you're all in, like, you know, to keeping everything going, mm -hmm. you're fully invested. And I'm not saying God's withholding his blessing on that. No. Like, what, yes, you see it as a threat. And yeah. yes, you see that. But, yeah. It's a, that is, being that person mm -hmm. is a tough position. Yeah. In the UMC. I don't wish that nope, on anybody. Not at all. Here's the other, uh, person i saw example of that didn't like to hear the the elephant be exposed this in the is room. the one that i would say are most of the snarky and snide comments this is exactly it leaders of churches that cannot possibly come up with the exorbitant amount of money needed to disaffiliate and i i'll say this from colleagues i've talked with the general vibe has been towards those who do have the funds to leave now you know, you know, High School Musical, yeah. like we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. Like, is like that was kind of the vibe for a while, and it just did like the record scratch across the thing, and then suddenly it's yep. like eerie silence. Yeah, and and it's left them feeling scared and alone. And and I say, I think I actually know this because I've I've had like 
been privy to some of these conversations where people just feel like, hang on, I thought we were all in this together. And it's like, well, well, we were, but we weren't all in this together to to for the colony to die. Yeah, we're we're not. We going were all down in this together shit. for the for 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 life for kingdom stuff happening for for going to looking to the future, not just to the moment. We have the money to pay for to get into our lifeboat. Mm, ouch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. I mean, I mean it's true. Um, and then here's the third it, thing well, I saw. And Wait, then go ahead. also, it's like someone that's upside down in a car. Uh-huh. And you don't have the money to get out of it. How much do you hate that car? <laughs> uh, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, and people that and people that can do well. First, I just I pictured like a car being upside down and someone like hanging in it. But then I realized you meant financially. Yeah, like when so, you're financially yeah. upside down in a car, don't you get mad at everybody that yeah. gets a new car yeah. and you know you can't because it costs you so much <laughs> money that it's not it's not even like Dave Ramsey would like shoot you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't do so, it. So like. That's that's what these people are feeling. Yeah, it's like they see all these people that can do it, mm-hmm. and they're just like, "Dad, gum it." Yeah, that, and that's you're right. That is the uh, large, and and here's the deal. I'm going back to my whole point is I wonder how many people who are are standing on the the that colony, the argument, the belief of no, this is right. We're together. We're um, unity, uh, denominational, you know, we're stronger together, you know, all these sayings, but if the money was in the account, they'd probably do it. And, and I, and I'm not like, I'm not like pointing fingers. I'm saying what goes on in our psyche, like that, that we are so quickly able to, to champion a cause or something because, you know, for instance, would we we be talking about all this stuff? And so, I mean, no, we wouldn't if we didn't have the ability to be able to do it. No. Um, And then when you don't have, like when you look at the money mm -hmm. and to see if it's an option or not, you, you really champion like the, what you're in because you're, you're in it. That's right. We got to stay. Yeah. Because this has to succeed because we can't go anywhere. Right, and I've seen that. I've read that. Um, you know, there's been, uh, you know, I would say some some gentle, backhanded, passive-aggressive comments, you know, kind of made in people's writing and, and stuff like that. And, you know, my nature is to be like, okay, well, if you're going to backhand me, then I'm going to, you know, overhead smash you. But I don't, that's not necessarily, that's just the tennis in me coming out. Here's the third example okay. of how I, I, I have perceived people responding. And I would say this is the smallest the, uh, percentage-wise of the three examples I give. Are there, there are pastors, primarily pastors, that do not want to leave a system they know how to live within and navigate in. Now, would, they, would you be considering like these, like, five to seven years away from retirement pastors? Not necessarily. Or would you even say younger? Uh, I would, even younger. Really? Even okay. younger. Um, because it makes sense. If, if a pastor was like five years, I'd yeah. be like, yeah, now, you, by younger, you hang on. By younger, I mean, I'm talking uh, late 30s, early 40s. Okay. Um, who have put in enough time to know how the system works. Mm. Um, they have started to see um, their professional success um you know being appointed to do things and you know they they they're like okay this is the system this is what i have to do to be part of this system and and get my you know good appointments and get so number three is hoping they're number ones yeah yeah yeah, yeah. trying to get to that point where they're like the top dogs and they the are system. the conference leadership yeah, yeah yeah and um and yeah i think there's some of so, those too so it's almost like the good old boy system would be the ones that would be like your number threes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's definitely like a, a, a fraternity slash, you know, small, very smaller sorority um, kind of calm. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I almost hate to say good old boys cause you know, I don't want to turn it into like a, but you're right. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, so, I'm not. I'm not a lead pastor. I can say that. <laughs> well, so systems, systems. Like, what's the deal with that? Um, one of the teachings on, if you look at systems theory, just in and of itself, is that systems are designed to resist change. 
Otherwise, it's not a system. Well, they fail. Right. Like, it, a system is something that can be repeatable for oh. infinity. Right. That, right. That's how you know you have a successful system. Right, right. And for the most part, the resistance to change that happens in systems, it's not even conscious. Like, people don't know they're doing it. No. That's, um, that's how you know it's a successful system, <laughs> that people can adapt it without being told that they're in a system. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's often... Um, occurs like when there is resistance it actually kind of and this is what I've been seeing it occurs in really subtle ways Um, and thinking of the protocol situation um, that there were people from so they said there were progressives there were traditionalists and there were centrists and they all came together and came up with the protocol well that was great until last week the progressives and a couple of centrists said we don't support the protocol anymore. But they they sat in those meetings over time and they helped write it. And so what you see is that there was, they appeared to be adopting um, to the outside view of let's develop this new system. Um, but inside there was the, the, the fight, you know, they weren't willing to do the change. Um, they weren't comfortable with the new reality that was being mm-hmm. kind of set up as uh, offered. Yeah. Well, and, and also... Not just in our um, church, but in our world, conservatives and pro- progressives have gotten a lot more aggressive with each other within oh. the past three years. <laughs> Between when the protocol was written in 2019 to 2022, mm-hmm. it's a different world and a different cultural landscape. Very much so. And I think that has to do with more than any of it. Yeah. Um, Edwin Friedman, he... Um, I think he's a sociologist, but he wrote a book called A Failure of Nerve. Excuse me. And he says that when there's an attempt to institute a change in a system, that one should actually expect sabotage. Yes. Um, He says this, quote, Resistance, as it is usually called, is more than a reaction to novelty. It is part and parcel of the systemic process of leadership. Sabotage is not merely something to be avoided or wished away. Instead, it comes with the territory of leading, whether the territory is a family or an organization, end quote. So he's saying just you, you should expect it. If you're trying to change the system, expect sabotage. And the saboteur doesn't necessarily even know that they're doing it sometimes. No. Uh, in the corporate world, they'll develop a, a system and they'll, they'll do like a beta test on the system mm-hmm. and they'll tell them, break my system. Right. So I can fix it. Yeah. Try to break it. Yeah. Sabotage my system because they have the foresight to know that someone is is either going to inadvertently break it uh-huh. or it's going to or it's not solid enough anyway. Uh-huh. And so they'll they'll like purposely try to break the system and then they'll send it back to corporate and retool it. Yes. Yep. And that's how effective systems in the corporate world are made. Uh-huh. Now, when we're talking about a spirit-led system, Jesus came to break up systems mm, to begin with. So yes, he did. You're not going to have... I don't think there is a system that is going to last forever. Like, I don't no. think there is going to be... There's only one. ...what you consider, and is that a system? Well, I would say there's one, and it's... We don't... We don't know how it works. We're doing our very best to try to operate in it right now, but, but we don't it's, know. No. Yeah. No. So, so I'm certainly not saying we have the system. Yeah, so for... <laughs> in my opinion... If we live in Jesus Christ, there is no system that we can repeat for infinity, and it will always work. No. Mm-mm. And so... No, it will fail. You know, so to me, the UMC kind of breaking apart is just kind of the nature of the game. Yeah. I mean, Jesus came and broke up the system that mm-hmm. exactly. his father had established, yeah. you know? Yep. Like, he broke up the big... Like, the UMC isn't even in the Bible. Jesus came and broke up a system that is listed in the Bible. Right. So why, exactly. why do we expect this system to last? And that goes back to my initial thing is I'm so intrigued by this is why do we get, we cling to something, we cling to our colony and we're like, okay, this is how it's going to be. safe. Yeah. Yeah. There's a book called Canoeing the Mountains by a guy named Todd Bolsinger, which is really interesting because um, when Bishop Graves came on uh, a year ago as our bishop, um, he really touted this book and asked everyone to, to read it. Actually, Todd came and did a um, like a, a speaking engagement at Epworth, I believe, and, and mm. a lot of people were there. Um, it was like a time away with the bishop thing. 
And I find it interesting that um, that the bishop said, "Hey, you know, let's let's read this book." He really encouraged the pastors in South Georgia to read it because um, I, I could I could understand why he did, but at the same time, I, I see the other side of it. Um, in this book, Canoeing the Mountains, it claims it, he talks about Lewis and Clark and how they were prepared to really canoe, you know, into the West. And what they found is they had to actually do a whole lot more walking than than canoeing. There's not a river that goes all the way across. canoeing the mountains. Yeah. Um, And the whole idea of it is that, of the book, is that you haven't truly succeeded in, in, uh, Todd mentions this in the book, unless you, you're not really going to make lasting change until you've kind of survived the sabotage, until you've survived the the difficulty that you have Mm -hmm. to go through to get to where you're going. Um, and I think about that in regard to the UMC. And so my first thought was, did the, did the bishop kind of, you know, encourage us because he knew where we were, where we're going is, you know, currently was the mountainous and not what people expected. And, you know, was there going to be a saboteur or whatever, but how many things have been quote tried in the UMC only to go back the way they were? How many times has, has it been tried? You know, the protocol seemed a done deal, but then what? Last Tuesday, you know, it was out. They withdrew their support. Um, and what that did is that made the delayed slash delayed general conference, because twice delayed, um, of, of 2024, it made that protocol no longer even an option for traditional United Methodists to depart without a tremendously high price to pay. Yeah. Actually, I won't even say traditional any United Methodist Church to yeah. depart without yeah. a high price to pay. I mean, this this isn't this isn't out for anybody right right now. Right, and so I'm thinking about all this in regard to this. You, from from the perspective that I'm looking at this, mm-hmm. that group of people who withdrew their support for the protocol sabotaged the proposed change. They put a nail in the coffin of the right. UMC by and so by uh, the system that was being developed they through killed. the protocol. They killed. They sabotaged. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, and they killed any chance of course correction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because what what I could see by what the the bishop wanting from this book, just mm-hmm. from the conversation me and yep. you, you've had, is about everyone coming together yep. and going, hey, this isn't what we expected, but let's, let's navigate, get- let's figure this out together. Mm-hmm. Well, when they, I mean, I don't think he saw the writing on the wall with as many local churches as he thought. Yep. But then this killed any chances of that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be surprised to see how many churches end up going in August. I'll be very surprised. We'll have, uh, we might have the first continent disaffiliate. Yeah. Like the African continent just might go. The entire continent's out. I don't know. I don't know. They're, they're very, very, um, they have great, great affection to the United Methodist name and cross and flame. And it's like very much so. Mm. Um, I wonder if it, if they would have the same attachment if they could get the same support from the GMC. <laughs> I don't know. That's good. <laughs> so, all right, here's something. Because um, they're not going to be able to get the same support from the UMC that they were getting right now. No. I mean, nope. if, if that's what they're hanging their flag on, that's yep. that's that's a no-go. And listen, I, I've heard brief, brief accounts from those who are on like the Wesleyan Covenant Association um, it leadership, um, who talk to delegates from Africa who tell these just ridiculous stories about how they're being threatened by their bishops or their district superintendents for even discussing anything regarding the Wesleyan Covenant Association or the Global Methodist Church, like, like bad stuff, like, like cars being messed with so they can't drive to meetings, you know, or things like that, like really weird things all right so that's crazy i know right that's like a movie here's something i've heard um and i heard this at at annual conference but i've heard that those making i've heard the sentiment that those who are disaffiliating are making knee-jerk reactions we've never been accused of that have we (laughs) i personally have but i don't know how for some churches years and others like us many many months of study and prayer and conversation and meetings and meetings, how in the world that can be considered knee jerk. Now, here's what I found about when we t- use that term. When we say knee jerk reaction, it is a wildly common mantra 
for change resistors. Mm-hmm. It is like, oh, if someone's doing something, if they're instituting change or mentioning change or bringing up change, it's, oh, that's a knee-jerk reaction. Oh, that's a knee-jerk reaction. And if a person is not fully versed on the proposed change or they're not in support of the change, often the just go-to cry is knee-jerk. Oh, that's knee-jerk. Yeah. I mean, it, or it's someone that is not as educated as the other person. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. if they're not, if they're not fully in, mm-hmm. they haven't been brought up to speed, yeah. then they just think it's knee-jerk. Right, because, like, I know just in my position, I'll – not here, but I would research something for like a year, year and a half. I mean, yeah. And I'd only present once. Yeah. A year and a half worth of work. Here you go. (laughs) We can't make a decision on a knee jerk, on a knee jerk presentation like this. I'm like, not knee jerk, not knee jerk, not knee jerk. New to you is not knee jerk. Yeah. New to you is not new to me. Right. Right. I am educated on this. Right. So that's one thing. Those who resist change need to understand that their resistance often, it doesn't come as, a rational response, but as an emotional one. It and that's I going back to like I'm so intrigued by this. Like we don't recognize like how it, things are firing in our brain, but we get new information that's saying, okay, this is going to change. And our often our first response is not rational; it's emotional. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, because we're so, emotional creatures. Yes. And so now emotional responses are not those, bad. They can be valid. That's right. And sometimes they move us, I think, to action more than a rational response would. So some of the best changes in society mm-hmm. have been emotional responses to something. Yeah, right. That's right. But we also need to understand that there are the emotional responses sometimes are based on what we want to be true rather than what we know to be true. But it is my truth. <laughs> no, it's not. They're not. And I think there are many in the current United Methodist Church who want the truth to be that a big, varying theological and doctrinal tent or colony, if you will, going back to our aunts, it's not only possible, but it's what God wants. I think that's what many truly want this. They want that to be true. And there are others who claim that that this is their belief only because to say or believe otherwise would cause them to have to change. And so like, no, we've got to all stay together under the tent because I don't want to change. Yeah. I, I, I just don't believe that God wanted a multi-billion dollar entity. I mean, to I don't, be in charge I don't of know. I, mean, I don't, do you, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. He didn't operate his ministry that way. Well, you go back to the whole thing of systems. I think after you, you have, humanity uh-huh. and systems yeah. and um both of those are going to fail yeah eventually now, i mean even the best laid plans right yeah. and and jesus came to bust up systems but also tell you to honor systems too at the same time <laughs> which is the which is the whole dichotomy which is probably what the dichotomy that we're that we're dealing with here right is that he did come to bust systems but then he also talked about honoring the system yeah. that, that i put over you Right, and then that's when you get into the, uh, at what point do you say, okay, yeah, I'm trying to honor this, you know, system, but, like, we're not bound to uh, man-made things. And see, that's the difference between yeah. a government and something. Right. Yeah. But the, but people will go, but you were, or, you know, you were ordained in this. You took vows in this, um, that kind of stuff. But it's, it's here, here's the thing, that there are, Jesus is worth fighting the, for. The system dr- is not right, and and again, I'm not saying that if they're staying in the UMC that they're not fighting for Jesus. But to me, I look at the UMC and um, the colony is is really set up for for um, to not to not be viable, to not be uh, sustaining. It's not set up for, to to continue, and mm-hmm. but it's going to move along for a while, like it oh, is. Yeah. Um, and there'll be a lot of people going, see? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. So I think you bring it down to, okay, so ant colonies, behaviors, uh, psychology, sociology, the annual conference, what? Uh, all this. Here, here's the thing. I, I brought it down to this. The directive is clear for um, those, for, for Christians. The directive is clear. Whether you're in a UMC, out of the UMC, and you don't know, um, all, it doesn't matter. Here's the directive. 
Uh, Matthew 22 tells us that Jesus tells us what the greatest commandment is, right? To love the Lord our God with, with everything we have and then to love our neighbor as ourselves. Okay, that's the, that is a directive. That is the greatest commandment. And then the greatest commission he gives us, the greatest act, action that we should have is that we should go and make disciples. Um, that we should baptize them in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the, the directive there is clear. And whether we do that within a whatever system that's occurring in, and I think we're all in systems, Josh. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. think any of us operate outside of a system, even though as much as we want to think we do. We even don't. anarchists work in a system. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So, um, but the directive there is clear. As Christians, in whatever system we find ourselves in, Scripture tells us this is what we should be about. Uh, loving the Lord our God with everything we have. Loving our neighbors ourselves. And sharing the gospel and, making disi- and, and baptizing those, making disciples. Um, that's a very clear, basic directive. And I think if we um, can focus on that, as much as intriguing as it is to be part of these other systems and those kinds of things, um, I I think we need to bring it all the way back around to that simplicity. Um, Yeah, so today seems so random. Um, I don't know. We'll find out. But... um, that's kind of what has been uh, going around in my brain, so I thought I would <laughs> share that with you guys. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. So, uh, Any more you want to add to that? Nah. I, I think... <laughs> I think I think we got it. <laughs> Jesus came to bust up systems. Why should we expect the system to last? Right, right. That, that... So in the meantime, let's be about the very clear directive that he gives mm-hmm. us in Scripture. Let's, Matthew let, 22 and Matthew 28. Let's worry about following Jesus for our community. Yep. And not worry about make, making an umbrelling system work. Right. Holding up something. That's yep. right. What else going on? Uh, again, VBS is next week. Yep. It's Unless coming. Unless you're listening to this at a different time. Yep. It's happening. So uh, June 20th through the 24th. 24th. We have 87 kids signed up. Cool. Yeah. Sign. We have room for more. We have room for more. So if you want to get your kids signed up, go to theportcc.com and click on the events tab. Woohoo! Yep. All right. Hey, thanks, Porch Community, for hanging with us today. Um, I, I appreciate you hanging with us because Lord knows what we talked about. Only the Lord knows in you. All right. <laughs> we'll see you guys. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the 167 Podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.